we're live mm-hmm. oh hi <laughs> hello uh we are we're live we're a little bit late but we're here and uh it's just tyler and i today so say hello tyler hello tyler there you go uh <laughs> thank you for tuning in we've got a we've got a a full house of books maybe not pals but books uh we have star wars dark droids number one which is uh Go ahead. The first one to enter your collection? Enter my collection? Yeah. No, please. Oh, you've read you've read I've, okay. I've I've read a ton of Star Wars. Gotcha. Books. Okay. Um, we just never did it on the show, and I'm not even sure why, but it just never never came up. Uh I I don't have the order in front of me, Ty, so I'm just gonna show the books. Uh X-Men 25. This is this is um uh like the first book in the new era since the uh disaster that was the gala Uh, so we're talking about yeah um we've got uh the sacrificers number one new rick remender uh and then uh night terrors batman number two and uh night terrors joker number two so that one right sorry that was a listener pick right and that was the listener pick yes indeed they decided to torture us cool Yes, yes. Uh, they love that. They love that. No, normally uh, they list- pick the right stuff and, and we enjoy it. <laughs> you know, that is true. So I guess we'll have to see how that goes yeah. a little bit later. But let's start off with uh let's start off with a little Star Wars talk. Star Wars Dark Droids number one. I thought, you know what? We haven't done a Star Wars. It's an event. Let's 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 try it. Let's see how it goes. Uh so this is by Charles Soule. What, who whose work I have not read in a long time. I think he's just been here and in and in, in novel work. He has well, he's do, he's doing creator own. He's got um hell to pay. That's the last thing I read by. Charles oh, that's the name Soul. of his book. Okay, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't offend you in a personal <laughs> way or something. No, he doesn't have hell to pay <laughs> for. I was like, whoa, jeez, uh, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, art by Luke Ross. That's a name I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. I remember him um, from the Cap days, right? He was a big Cap. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think he, he did Brubaker, a little bit of Brubaker Cap. Yeah. He was splitting time with uh, mm-hmm. forget who was Epting, Epting, was Epting yep. and Ross. Yeah. Uh, Alex and Claire on the colors and letters by Travis Lanham. Now, first of all, Tyler, are you caught up with the Star Wars verse? Have you been reading? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. 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 Not at all. Not a single bit. Um, the most recent thing I read was the. I think the bounty hunters event i read the intro maybe like the first like three issues of that and then mm. I, I, the way they do their events and i guess we'll talk about it with this one um it's like the old style of comic book events where it's like inciting incident issue and then it trickles down into all the individual um books that come out right yeah i, I ain't the biggest fan of that so i hear that i hear that um so let's let's talk about the premise because I think you know you look at the cover right and it's just Luke versus some droids and that's you know it's, it's called we, we Dark Droids so the droids too. are gone bad. Sean, um, I have the cover on screen right now. Before we get to it, is there a favorite droid you have? Um, is there a favorite droid I have? Wow, not necessarily uh, on the HK forty seven. That's a deep cut, my Star Wars boys. Yeah, no, I know that HK forty seven is that. 
Oh, that's going to bug Come me. Come on now. All right, Tyler. I'll give you until the end of this conversation. No, I'm Googling. Oh, you pulled your phone out. It's yeah. over. Yeah. HK-47 is the sarcastic, murderous battle droid from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, see, that's why I didn't know it. I never played Knights of the Old Republic. Yep, that's a, a blank spot for me. Yeah, that's very much worth playing. Um, uh, I, I love the old, uh, just the battle droids, you know, Roger, Roger. Yeah, those yeah. are those are good, too. So the droids have gone bad because of a sentient droid thing that just seems to have it out for the world of biological creatures, um, and it wants droid supremacy. I had two major thoughts about this issue. Okay. The first one was that Charles Soule, I think, took a, a weird approach to this. The slasher approach. <laughs> the uh, yeah. Friday the 13th part one and two approach. Yeah, and I don't think that that's effective because we are in Star Wars. And, like, I get that the droids, you know, he does a good job of establishing the fact that, hey, droids are all over the place. Droids are pretty important to this world. So if the droids went south, if things with the droids went south, that could be pretty bad for people. And I like that. But the buildup was just too much. I think half the book, right? Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't need to be so overwrought. Um, especially for, you know, droids don't even look that interesting. So we're spending all this time looking at this. For, it opens up on nothing. You know, it opens up on, on, on nothing. And we're getting this long, you know, droid speech. And then this is really what it is. This is the threat. Oh, it's the maker. That's his logo. <laughs> it's an evil pog yeah hey paul hello welcome to everybody that's watching live um that that intro sequence that first half was a slog i i don't disagree with you um i thought he did the same thing twice in a way um yeah he did it first by introducing the evil pog as as it gets rid of one of the um the security droids it kind of takes control of a security droid and then he does it again with the star destroyer and all the droids there um yeah. i almost think if it had started at like the star destroyer that would have been better that would have taken up you would have freed up probably three or four three or four pages on it i did like the star More. destroyer bit um i thought it was i thought it was cool i thought it was effective the way they use the droids lens as the pov to kind of give it this horror uh, tinge because they're going for horror for this. This is a horror event, um, which Star Wars has done in the comics a couple times. Uh, movies have yet to do it. Maybe they should. Um, uh, I like that bit, and I like how this thing is spreading like a like a virus. Really, I mean, it is a virus, really. Yeah. Um, and I like that bit of it. But if if we could have freed up more space in the issue for that really extended slasher sequence uh, and said, and, and maybe put that towards that, um that weird droid colony where they're like, uh, I guess there are some droids that are subservient to nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I would have enjoyed that. Cause that's what interested me. I was like, Oh, there's these droids out there who have their own planet who are just themselves. And that's what I wanted to see more. 
Um, yeah, I thought that 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 scene also didn't work for me. Um, I think it's really odd, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, and I think sticking with the car- with the droids that we know and understand, and seeing them get taken over, that's cool and compelling and interesting. And now I'm looking at R two D two funny, you know, in that sequence with Luke where he asked him to do him a favor. Um. But those self-aware droids just didn't they didn't bring anything to this. That when, mm-hmm. when I saw this page, this these two pages here, and I saw all that dialogue, I was like, oh boy, I'm in for it. And lo and behold, I read it and it's just like nothing. You know, I don't want to spend the entirety of a first issue of an event. And I'm off the Star Wars train. I have been for a while. I'm yeah. coming back now. I don't want to spend the whole first issue, you know, with just long monologues especially think, from characters we don't know yeah i th- I think they have showed it before like, i think this was these are characters from another arc um i vaguely remember hearing maybe it was i fanboy talk about this like this rang a bell um yeah yeah comic book we put uh put our names on here let us know if that, that looks okay um you ask we deliver so yeah uh, i was i was almost starved for dialogue by the time we got to that part because it, there really was none. It was a slasher outside of that. It was like the droid virus kind of talking to itself, but it wasn't really dialogue. Um, so it didn't that really didn't really bother me as much because it wasn't really throughout the whole issue. Um, but but I, I I can get what you're saying. I can get what you're saying. And it but isn't until the end that we actually start seeing characters we we know, or at least you and I know. I mean, listen, man. This is a this is an event. You don't do events where all of the the speaking role characters for almost the entirety of the book are not characters that we know and droids are just not that compelling like you gotta you gotta bring the heat anti-droid dude i'm not i love i love the droids but they're not i mean come on um i like the idea and i hope charles goes with this i hope he finds this angle um the idea that maybe this because to me, a droid that just wants murder in this way, that wants like the end of all life, is not that compelling. But there's the the kernel of the idea that this droid has been a part of others before. Yeah. So what if the droid is picking up on the violence and the conflict of the universe, and its actions are fueled by that? It's it becoming the most human part of humanity, and maybe the worst part. Right. Yeah. Especially at this time, I think tying it in to the conflict because this book takes place between the first movie and the second, I believe. No, so, no, they did a change a um, couple years back where it's actually between Empire and Return of Jedi. Okay, whatever it is, yeah, it's in the heat of this conflict. It's in this, yeah, the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah. There's no Han. So the the point I'm trying to make is that this is theoretically the worst time in the galaxy and something like that that's fueled by this war maybe could be a cautionary tale but right now it's feeling very ultron and i think it's got to get past that it can't just be that yeah and do you know charlesel doesn't write all the star wars books right like this is going to have other people writing Mm. i'd be curious to see if he can even tell that story you know (laughs) with the way this is formatted too Right. Yeah, maybe Star Wars can tell that, but I feel like Star Wars isn't. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. 
I will say, uh, yeah, um, I did like the Luke Ross, Luke Ross art a lot. Yeah, I was a fan. I think Star Wars comics do really well with some photo referency people. Uh, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense either. Like, you you have actors in these in the, as these characters. You kind of want it to look like them. You know. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult to get away from that, um, and I don't think that there's a problem with that. I think Luke yeah. Ross um, is super talented, and I was happy to see his name here, and I wasn't disappointed by the interiors. I think the droids look appropriately uh, menacing when they're supposed to, mm-hmm. and even the scene with Luke where he's briefly speaking to R2, um, you, quite, you kind of look at R2 and you go, hey, what's going on? And I think just this the simplicity of the way that R2 is sitting in the back there with that eye, the red, the red maybe. light on, it kind of sells that, hey, maybe uh R2's gonna turn coat. Yeah. Uh, Comic Boom in the chat says, I think Charles Soul is trying to use a modern day AI metaphor set in a future Star Wars universe. Technically, Star Wars is a path, but sorry, the Star Wars nerd in me is I f- and I find that narrative kind of uninteresting quite frankly because okay Marco. even though even though this is the past um these characters have used technology for a really really long time and everything about the star wars universe presents the idea that they're the masters of it yeah so introducing the idea that they're not the masters of it at this point in where Star Wars is at, to tell a story that is relevant to us doesn't really add up because we're not masters of technology yet. What? Well, I mean, it's, I don't even think of it as, you know, our world. So it's like separate from all that. But the thing that I always like is like these comics are set in a certain time period. And we've seen the bookends of that time period. So, so the Return of the Jedi hasn't happened yet. Empire just happened. Han Solo's in Carbonite. Lando's around. Um, but like in the movies, like they're never like, hey, you remember that one time the droids took over the world? Like, <laughs> like I, right. I know it that can't happen, but I just think because it, they have to really cement themselves into a period of time, uh, that always feels a little goofy to me. I think maybe that's why I don't read the Star Wars comics because uh, there is a part of me that's like, oh, what does it matter? Um, because it's the characters involved. It, it's when they get to tell stories that are characters that I've never seen before that I, I enjoy. Um, Dr. Aphra is my favorite Star yeah. Wars character. Oh, ever? Uh, yeah, ever. Hey. Yeah. Dr. Aphra and, and Revan. I don't know why Aphra um, does not have a TV show. Like, what are you doing? I know, right? Comic Boom says, one of the ongoing questions that has never really been addressed in the Star Wars universe is why haven't the droids made a serious attempt to take over before, or have they? Um... I've never thought about that question, quite frankly. I've never, that's never been on my mind. Droids are clearly intended to be background characters for the most part. Um, and I'm cool with that. I I don't know if I find that to be that compelling of a question. Again, I recognize that droids are super powerful if they have this kind of a of a of a of a malicious intent. But in Star Wars, the droids seem to operate under the like they cannot break the rules of their creators they're not allowed to um so that's just kind of how it's been how would they uprise outside of this situation or a glitch or something like that 
Right. I think it's it's happened a couple times. You know, there have been like bounty hunter droids and droids that have glitched or had their minds minds wiped, memory memory cards erased. I guess. Um, but yeah. Yeah, HK forty seven being a good example of that, a droid that kind of does what it wants. Um, was he a bounty I don't, hunter? I don't. Did he have like a cape. Sorry? Was he a bounty hunter with a cape? No. No. Okay. I don't know who I'm thinking of then. I don't say that this doesn't have place to exist i definitely think it does and i think charles soul is capable of telling a good story here and it's worth pointing out that there is a dark droids uh this event is an ongoing event it's not oh is is it okay yeah so next week next month we'll get number two and etc so i think charles soul's capable of telling a great story in these confines um but on it on its face right now i'm struggling to buy it I think I'd I, I, after you told me that I'm probably more compelled to read the main series. If anything, um, it was a little daunting seeing that checklist. And that's probably why I didn't see dark droids was on there. Cause I got to like just a glimpse at it. And I was like, Nope. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not against reading that. I, I do like star Wars a lot. I mean, I have star Wars tattoos. So um, yeah, I, I, I might give it a, a second try at least. Oh, I feel like you always give things a second book. You can Unless it's like offensively bad, right? And this certainly wasn't that. No, no. I think I think this is this is a pretty standard comic. I would say. I don't think it's. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great. But I also feel like that's been the pretty much the state of Star Wars comics. You know what I mean? Kind of just started so good. Oh, it's just had Stuart Immonen though. You know. Forget that. The stories were great. Yeah, you had you had Vader down, which I thought was actually a genuinely yeah. good event. Um, you had the Vader book itself, which was phenomenal. Kieran Gillen, mm-hmm. I think, was was on that. Laroca too, um, and like Laroca, people yeah. kind of crap on Laroca, but like dude was cooking. That was yeah. great. Um, and the main Star Wars book was good. So, you know, it sucks that the state of Star Wars isn't great in the comics, but hopefully this can change that. Um, Atomic Hound. I I'm not going to repeat that, but I'm very sorry uh, to hear that. That is that is um, that's terrible. Well, I guess it's not anything to not repeat. Uh, one of Atomic Hound's wife's friends has passed from cancer, so that's unfortunate. And our thoughts are with you for sure. Uh, that's terrible. Uh, welcome, King of Nerds. Welcome, Dan. Hello to everybody. Thank you for joining. We have just talked about Star Wars Dark Droids number one. I'm going to say pass i'm gonna even announce a pull i enjoyed it enough to want to read an issue two and i think that can justify saying pull yeah um pull it if you are in the mood for something star wars but something sort of different because i think wherever this event nets out it's not going to feel like a lot of the other star wars stuff good or bad and that'll be determined by the strength of the storytelling um, I also haven't been reading Star Wars comics, so I don't know why the hell Luke Skywalker has a gold lightsaber in this in this cover. So, right, <laughs> uh, is that like the one Ray finds at the end of uh, Revenge of the? What was it? I don't. I can never remember the last of that. The last name in that movie. Oh, uh, it's uh, Return of the Sith. Revenge no. of the Jedi. I don't know. No, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Everybody tuning in, and after the the Dark Droids review. Um, does that mean you didn't care for it? Does that mean you weren't looking for that? 
Let us know if you want us to continue reviewing this series. Or you just came uh, late because you were eating Taco Bell. Let us know that, too. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot going on over here uh, in our neck of the woods. Uh, if you want to keep up with us, there are a couple of ways that you can do that very well. Um, of course, if you want to keep up, Discord is the best way mm-hmm. to do that. Following us on all social platforms. But if you want to support, Patreon.com is patreon.com slash the comics pals is the best way to support your boys to get some bang for your buck uh we've got a lot of cool stuff going on over there an exclusive show called palling around you get a newsletter from one of us tyler's up this week i don't know what you did but uh it's it's coming up tonight it's a little late don't even acknowledge that um (laughs) and uh uh and of course you get to vote in the book club poll dc invasion Beat out Secret Invasion and Siege, if you can believe that. There was some collusion, but uh, these things happen. Marco is going to be leading a DC comic book discussion. That's Event not discussion. Thing. About a book he has not yet read. Yeah, I, I think that alone is a ticket enough uh, to, 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 to watch that whenever that comes out next month. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's going to be fun. I think either way um, we wanted to say thank you to everybody who has joined us over on Patreon. Thanks to you. Wonderful people. Uh, we have reached our goal of 20 patrons. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we'll be doing something to celebrate that soon. But outside of that, I just wanted to say and confirm that uh, this Sunday we will be having a community event. Uh, it is limited to discord members. So if you are on our Discord server, you will be able to partake. Um, and patrons will be able to have first dibs on playing games with us. We're going to play like Among Us or Jackbox or whatever we get up to. Patrons will have first dibs on playing with us. Um, but it should be a fun time all around. Everybody's welcome. If you're a member of our Discord, come come play. It'll be around uh, 1 p.m. Sunday, Eastern Standard Time. So yep. uh, Saturdays at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. We're going to have a great time talking about the MCU this weekend and what needs to change. The MCU. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch this show live, you can do that every Thursday at 6 p.m. only on YouTube, unless Tyler's not here. Let's um, let's roll along. I'll, I'll teach you how to fix that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, let's roll along and talk about X-Men number 25. This is the first book that I have read. I think it's the first book in it's the, fall the first of X. fall of X. Yeah, yeah. The bear. No, we got astonishing Iceman. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this is the the full kickoff because that uh the variant with uh all the dead X Men members and the circle with Charles uh weeping. That's yo was... that that cover man. I I love Hitch, but I can't do it. Really? Why? Why is why are Xavier's limbs so long? <laughs> What is that? Lanky boy. He is the maker, maybe. <laughs> well, Jerry Duggan was the maker of the script for this one. It's it. Thank you so much. Um, someone who we've been, you know, we've been up and down on, I guess, if you could say that. Uh, we also had artwork from Stefano Caselli. Martha Gracian colors. Great to see that name. Yeah. Clayton Cowles on the letters. I've been out on the X-Men proper book for a little bit. A little bit. So this was a return for me. I'm assuming by you shaking your head, it's the same for you. 
I think I might be a year behind, honestly. Okay. On, on X Men, I uh, I didn't catch up on all my backlog uh, like I wanted to on vacation last week. Uh, X Men well, alphabetically is a little towards the bottom. So as it turns out, when you're on vacation, there are things you want to do other than read comics. Uh, I might have read it when I was blackout, but who knows? No. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. another story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this issue, as you can probably tell from the cover, follows Kitty Pride, primarily Kate Pride, Shadow Cat, whatever she's calling herself today. Um, and it examines how she's handling the events post uh, the, the what they're dubbing the Mutant Massacre. Which is just that's some name, <laughs> isn't that what what the Morlocks getting killed in the sewers wasn't that the original mutant massacre? Right there, yeah. there is an OG mutant massacre, and then now we've got the new mutant massacre, which Marvel has loved to do over the last decade is like refresh their titles with, you Number know, one. Yep. yeah. Um, I found this issue to be really good at times. And frustrating at other times. I understand. Yeah. Let's let's have you kick us off with what you thought was really good. Um, Stefano Caselli, one of my mm. favorite artists. Mm. Uh, Caselli has mm. literally been around since I've read comics. He he was the guy who did uh, Init- Avengers Initiative, Secret Warriors. Like he's my dude. So Caselli is a name that I will follow on books. So seeing him pop up here with Marte Gracia on, on colors, I was like, all right. It's going to look good. Um, yeah. And I think the I really enjoyed um, the Kitty Pride stuff. I thought um, she's kind of played a weird backseat in the whole Krakoan era. Um, she's been, you know, she's led Marauders and stuff like that. But it's Kitty's one of my favorites. So it's cool seeing her have like a, an important role this time. Yeah. Um, and a very, very ruthless action scene with her. I enjoyed. I was like, yo, yo, what, what? Um, what I didn't care much for was the fact that this book had a lot to do. Yeah. Um, there is, it has to deal with all the fallout from last week's Hellfire Gala, which explains, I guess, why Gillen wasn't writing it. Um, because this seems to be a, a Duggan thing. But yeah, it, uh, it, it almost had too much to, you know, pick up the pieces. They had to, Re recontextualize the whole Marvel universe and how mutantdom is is being dealt with. Uh, the Kamala Khan stuff had to be <laughs> retconned in a way, um, and then it had to push the plot forward. Uh, and then it also like tied into is Duggan writing Iron Man right now too? Yeah, yeah. So it tied into his Iron Man run and stuff. So, um, I I saw the knees buckling a bit at the weight of everything. But I think all in all, I did enjoy this issue. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's pretty uh, in line with my feelings as well. Um, we'll start with the kitty bit of it because she is, you know, front and center here. Yeah, that five times fast. <laughs> uh, I'll save that for the Patreon. Um, so she's kind of broken by this whole thing. She has some level of like guilt associated with me, which makes a lot of sense um, for who she is. But she decides to go out and do something about it. She's not willing to sit back 
and wait for Cyclops or wait for someone. You know, all these characters are presumed dead anyway, but she's not willing to wait for someone to take care of affairs and go strike back. She wants to end this. You know, she comes from the school of Logan, you know, of Wolverine. You don't wait around. You strike first. And Ogan is the demon, right? Sorry? Isn't Ogan was also one of her um, mentors? Yeah, 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 yes. So we see her kind of go out, and she's on Arako scorp- uh, scouting the place and trying to figure out how many mutants are really left, how many allies, how many potential allies do they do they even have? Um, and so we, we get that, but the, the scene that I think is the primary piece of this whole issue is figuring out, finding out what happens to her after she slips through the gate in the immediate aftermath of the gala. Yeah. And it's her and it's these, you know, these, these Orcus goons and they're ready to kill her. But in light of what just happened, she's playing no more games and she proceeds to kill every single one of them. John now their asses yeah. yeah she sure does i have no problem with the actions that she took i thought that that yeah. sequence was tremendous and it actually helped me in a weird way process how i'm feeling about the fact that the x-men got beat so badly so easily to see that one mutant in this case was enough to obliterate these orcas soldiers that helped me but I had a critical problem, and it's something that a lot of writers just cannot avoid. That scene did not need Kitty's inner monologue. It just didn't need it. I think it's a lot more powerful if Kitty is just eviscerating these people. We already know why. We know what she feels. Let the art tell the story. She's doing this because she is furious. I see it. I see it right here sure. in, in, in Caselli's tremendous artwork. Caselli, yeah, I don't need right. words on it. I see it. So my only counter to that is that Kitty has not been a part of X-Men, the comic. Um, her story has really been told in Immortal and in Marauders. She has not been in X-Men since Hickman. Um, okay. So I think... Maybe this is just kind of set the stage for her as a character in this series going forward. Um, because there are still some people who don't read every X Men book. You know, forget that. You don't need to know about. You don't need Kitty's whole backstory. You need the Hellfire guy. That's all. That could have been any mutant. You could have put um, Iceman in there. You could have put Storm in there. You could have put Cyclops. That in there. I disagree. No, 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 no. You're not listening to me. The 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 emotions that she expressed, mm-hmm. what she did, why she did it. Every one of the mutants feels the same way. I disagree. Um, I think Kitty specifically has been having pent up frustration. She has felt outside of all the other mutants on Krakoa because she's the only one who can't walk through these gates. And we've never figured out why she's never figured out why. And so that has been, since House and Powers, her problem. And she's felt kind of alienated from mutantdom specifically because of that. Tyler, uh, so, what does that have to do with, with this line of dialogue? 
The aggressor sets the tone in any conflict, and overnight, Orcus has turned a Cold War hot. Pride's training took over. She knew her sudden ability to access the Corn Transit system represented a huge tactical advantage. What does I that have to do with it? Oh, I don't. I don't like how it's it's not Kitty's internal monologue. That's I, I'll give you that. I don't like how it's being told to us rather than Kitty telling us. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that's important because she realizes, oh, she's activated at this point. She can finally do something again. Um, but we know something that. that, huh? We already know that the first. The first scene establishes how she feels about not being able to cross the gate. I know. And then yeah. right as soon as she does it, we see what she thinks about it, and then she ices these dudes. Yeah. But why does it need Jerry Duggan's words on it? I thought it added to it, personally. You thought what I just read added to that scene? Yeah, I thought it added to, like, it, it, it kind of made it feel like a John Wickie kind of Mission Impossible-y sort of th- thing for me. Um. I think if it's just how many pages is this? This fight sequence, six pages. Bro, I'm not saying the whole sequence. I'm saying that it didn't need Jerry Duggan saying the aggressor sets the tone in any conflict, and overnight Orcus turned a Cold War hot. That didn't. That doesn't. What does that add? Um, I mean, as you say it three times, it sounds a little clunky. Because um, it is sure, but I just felt like it. It add. It kind of is reestablishing what's happening for this X-Men run going forward because this changes the entire dynamic of the run itself. All right. Uh, let's get a couple of comments in. Comic Boom says, um, is Fall of X-25 accessible to a new reader? Um, it depends on what you mean by new. I think if you have not read the gala, this is a tough one. Yeah, that's gala's required reading. Yeah, the gala sets a new tone, and everything that came before is almost like ancillary to that. And there will be a lot of characters here who you will not know. Yeah. But outside of that, I haven't read X-Men proper in a year, and I was fine with it. Yeah. So I think as long as you know what's going on in the Krakoa era of the X-Men and what this whole fall of X thing is, you can jump into this. Yeah. Um, this whole era is really impenetrable. Um, I mean, it's deep. Like, it's the most steeped in continuity thing, I think, that's happening in Big Two Comics right now. Because if you go from Hawksbox, everything is very, very interwoven. This was very penetrable four years ago. (laughs) Um, yeah, but it's, it's, you know, it's MCU'd in a way, you know, it's, if you ask someone to watch the MCU right now, um, it's comic booked. Yeah, I know what I mean. But like, it's, there is some stuff you got to read to kind of understand what's going on. You need context. I say this, if you're someone who really wants to jump in to the X-Men books, which, you know, if you want to, then great. Yeah. All you have to do is read Hawksbox, X-Men Until Hickman Jumps Ship, uh, what's the uh, Inferno, and Immortal. I think you can get away with that. I would even say... And Hellfire Gala, too. Or I would say you could read Hellfire Gala and Wikipedia. Like, I think... You listing all that, I think it's, it's like, yeah, that that's the good stuff. Um, but, 
you also want to just read it. I'm also the thing with the comics, like if you want to read something, just read the first, just read whatever you want to read. Figure it out. You'll figure it out. You can, you can, I think every issue is jumping on point personally. You um, and I jumped into Morrison's run right, right in the middle of it, right? Who? You and I, uh, Morrison's um, Batman run. Yeah, but not everybody's like that. I don't, sure, I don't presume sure. that everybody's going to be able okay. to do that. Um, the other major aspect of what this issue covers is the Miss Marvel of it all, as you highlighted earlier. It, you talk about clunky. Like, this whole thing is just a mess. <laughs> this doesn't even read like, read like, so we talk about Zeb Wells. It read like he didn't want to write that or he was kind of forced to write that. Um, it feels the same way here. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's some kind of like hot potato going on right now with Miss Marvel that feels editorial. I mean, it pretty much is. But yeah, it doesn't. We're, really, we're literally retconning something that happened two weeks ago. Yeah. Basically, Emma and her new uh, identity, because she can no longer be Emma Frost because mutants are being hunted, um, she erases the memory of everyone that knows that Kamala died. So her parents no longer know that, and they think that she was on a retreat somewhere in Washington, D.C., and she's coming back, and that's that. So fallen friend that we just read like three weeks ago or whatever is now completely and utterly 100% irrelevant because everybody that was there, presumably, I don't know if the if the hero aspect is true, but certainly the friends of Kamala no longer know that she died. And the the sliding scale of uh, telepath power limits is like Dean Gray doing the thing with Firestar at the end of in Hellfire Gal. Like everyone thought Firestar is a bad guy now, even Firestar. But like, wasn't there always like consequences to to doing mass mental manipulation? Like, remember Daredevil had his uh his his um secret identity, and it was like a big thing. It's like, oh no, we can't do that. Telepaths can't do that. Uh, mutants just do whatever they want now. Yeah, I think the limits of mutant telepathy and their what they can do with it have never really been um they've never really been too stringent about it because. And I don't know if this is still continuity, but back in the day, I think it was during Morrison's run, we learned that Emma was always projecting a different... She doesn't look like that. That she used that her, her powers to make people see her thing. a different way. <laughs> but either way, yeah. that's what she's powerful enough to do. Sure. Um, and so I don't feel like there's any upper limit. There's somebody outside my apartment window screaming like Toad. Back. All right. Well, that's uh, horrifying. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I guess for the for the the Miss Marvel book, but every appearance that she's made thus far in these X Men books has just felt like, frankly, a joke. It's like when you do a cutscene in a video game with your creative character. It just shows up there. It's like oh, it doesn't, you don't really look like you're it, supposed to be there, but it feels ham fisted. Yes, totally, absolutely. Um, I like, though, that now the entire situation has flipped on the mutants. Yeah. 
and they're once again in the position of weakness and they have to claw their way out of this. I'm compelled by that. I'm interested in that. Uh, Dr. Stasis is someone who I, who's grown on me. Um, I'm into him. Um, and I felt sad when I watched the, uh, the Iron Man Sentinels flying over, uh, flying over the U S like you never learned his lesson. (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. Um, I do like that. And it it might sound a little messed up, but I do like when the mutants are being persecuted. I think it's a more compelling storytelling. And I think the, um, the nature of Krakoa just being life's a beach for the past four years, um, has gotten a little stale. So I think this is a fair injection of some actual drama um, that I'm enjoying. I wonder if this was the stage two of what Hickman had planned. You think we'll ever know? He's, he hasn't been too shy about discussing that stuff, but he hasn't like explicitly answered those questions. And part of it, to be fair, you know, he can't because these things are ongoing. Um, but yeah, I think as time goes on, I think we will learn more. Uh, I enjoyed this issue. It's not my pick of the week. Primarily because I think the kitty sequence at the end was a little botched. It played a little funny rather than deeply serious. And I think seeing an, a mutant kill humans should be taken deeply seriously, especially someone like Kitty. Uh, and I don't think Jerry Duggan realized that. And I think that's to the detriment of the scene. Other than that, and the Miss Marvel stuff is just, I cannot wait for it to be over. But other than that, I think this is a good issue. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't know how I'm going to keep reading it because <laughs> I still have to read the past 20-something issues. Um, yeah. I'll have to catch up on that. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed this too. It's not my pick of the week, though. I think we both have the same pick of the week. Oh, we might. We might. Oh, hmm. Philosopher King says, I think Hickman's act two was that mutants went off to space and left Earth. Well, that's what happened yeah. to some degree. Um, and, and you'll find out more about that as the other books go on. I, I know a spoiler that um, I don't want to like, you know, I guess if you don't know. Um, but it's pretty clear worth why. Like, it's pretty clear what happened at the end of the, the gala. So... And if you know um, the titles of some of the X books coming out, yeah, yeah. like I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you're right, but I think this is that because the mutants going and terraforming Mars was not this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that was other mutants that we don't even really know like that, and plus Storm and Magneto. Whereas this is like everybody's gone. Uh, pull, same, yeah, pull. Let's get into a new Rick Remender number one. It's been a while since we've had one of these. This one by Rick, or the, the Sacrificers, I should say. The Sacrificers number one by Remender. Max Fumara on art. Uh, we had uh, Dave McGag. That's a name I always love to see. Um, now... I read about this book a while ago. I feel like it's been yeah. it's been a long time since this book was announced. And I knew the basic premise. Simple. There's a world in which 
everything is prosperous, stuff's great. But in order to keep things how they are, people have to sacrifice their firstborn, I think it's their firstborn, to this god. And this first issue essentially establishes that. Establishes a family through which we can see this process take place. It establishes this powerful godlike being and his daughter who appears like she's going to be a reckless, you know, um, a renegade, if you will. And it establishes that this is a world very different than our own. I thought this was great. I really like this too. Yeah. This hit, I mean, this is also like cookie cutter remender. And I don't mean that, like, I mean that in a positive way. Uh, abusive father, rebellious daughter, a <laughs> uh, yeah. bit of a sci-fi setting. Um, a dude knows what he writes, and he writes it well. Um, and I and I really like this. I mean, the did you read the back matter on this at all, Sean? Yeah, the remend, remender's words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he talked about uh, David David Lynch being his favorite creative out there, and this being his attempt at like. I'm not handholding anymore. There's no world building. I'm just going to show you this world and you're going to just have to figure it out and you can put the piece together however you want. And that's so refreshing, honestly. Um, I love that. Uh, in this, like, it, do I know what's going on here? Not a hundred percent, but I'm not supposed to yet. You know what I mean? And he also talks about how like he wants, because of that, he wants the art to kind of really tell the story. And Max Fiumara is somebody, I, I think I saw him on Hellboy years um this is great the the scenes with the little pigeon family are so good they're so messed up and dark and uh, upsetting uh but he still can that that one i think i have the panel here uh of the the pigeon dad just glaring at his family and there's just just stare uh it was like oh oh no (laughs) i don't like that it's so good the art on this um yeah this this i i really enjoyed this and you know what i think tyler um this is an example of what i was just talking about when we discussed x-men sure. yeah. you go from that which is overwrought i'm sorry like it is I, that's just how i feel and then you pick this up and it's like wow you can see that rick remender has so much trust in his artist in this case max fiumara um and his collaborators and he trusts that they're going to be able to tell the story. And when you look past the big two, or at least the non-elite, I feel like you see this. You see this less is more approach where writers understand that they need to step back. All the major sequences in this issue do not have copious amounts of dialogue. Sure. Yeah. He knows that the art is going to get the point across in the scene where the, the, the eldest son is being, you know, abused. It's there's almost no dialogue. There's no narration. in This is there no narration at all. Only doesn't need it. It's only what is being said out loud. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't need it. No. And, and, and it's the trust. It's the respect of the audience's intelligence that we can pick up what's being put in that da- put down by the creative team. And it's the trust in the, in the creative team, other than remender to be able to get the job done. 
and I'm writer first. I've made no, I'm, I make no bones about that. I, I prefer, I follow books for the writers. I'm very focused on what the writer's trying to say. That's how I think. But I love when this happens because I can appreciate the art more. It forces you to. I think it also shows the skill of Remender. Like yeah. to be able to pick and choose specifically what needs to be said. Um, it's a level of restraint that in itself makes it impressive. Yeah. And also anthropomorphized uh, people animals. That's I love that shit. It's so good. Yeah, I'm always I'm always down for that. Yeah. Um there's not a lot to necessarily like discuss as far as what happens in the book because it's very set up. Yeah. But I don't inherently have problems with that. Because A, I think the art's brilliant. I'm gonna just show off a page right here. Um, absolutely phenomenal art. This big fire haired guy is who appears to be the god of this world. Um, and he's on a magic carpet, which is phenomenal. And it's just like, this just looks so good. Every page is just dripping with style and intrigue and swagger. I'm just, I want to get lost. <laughs> I want to get lost. There are no black characters here, Tyler. Um, that word is uh, oh, not yeah, sorry, applicable. Sorry. I don't know. You can't use it. Like, I want to get lost in this world. And I'm excited for more. Like, I wish there was more to read, but this is just the first issue. In like um, a, in yeah, one of the, the parts that I remember telling me the story through the art would, was like when we get when we see the daughter running to her, her father, who's the king, and then we see like the family photo with her mom and her dad, and then we see his her dad with another woman. And before he even mentions that it's his mistress, you can already tell because we saw the mother that this isn't the mother. So there's right. there's storytelling happening in the art itself that the, yep. you don't need words for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this was a huge win. This yeah. was just such a good comic book. Did you read the free comic book day issue? Nope. Me neither. I heard it was very good. Like it, It's more than this. So I'm going to have to try and seek that out. Um, I don't even bother to go anymore because it happens on Saturdays and yeah, I, yeah. you know, we do this, but um, yeah, this was great. I, I want to say it's my pick of the week, but I liked another book a lot. Poker, really? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, this is my pick of the week though. Yeah, this is definitely mine. Yeah, I think it's mine too. Remender, dude, you can't. He's the best. I mean, I love Grant, but I haven't loved anything from Grant in a long time. Sure. Whereas everything Remender has done, except for the scumbag, has connected with me and I've deeply enjoyed. I never read Scumbag. Yeah. And and even that, like, I'm behind on it. Um but what I read was all right. Like, it just didn't enthrall me. Sure. Um, This is an easy pull, though. Like, oh, easy. I, I feel grateful that I get to come on here and talk about a book like this and recommend it. Like, if this wasn't 
something you were thinking about pulling, you got to get the sacrificers. At least try it yeah. for four. What is it? Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. If you've got if you've got three ninety nine extra, right, and you're looking to try a new book, this is that book this week. Dan says in the chat, "I'll be checking this out." Sounds like the type of series I've been hungry for. Good. Dude. Yeah. Good. I I think I think you will get a lot out of it. Uh, Philosopher King says a new remender book not being Sean's pick of the week. I think it is. I think it is. It's just that I love the next book so, so much. Um, and we might as well get into it. Yeah. Night Terror's Batman. Oh, it's not true. Okay. No, 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 no. God, no. Um, this is by um, Joshua Williamson. Gilead March. Colors by Tamo Moray and letters by Troy Pateri. I I I loved the first issue. Mm-hmm. And there was concern that the second one was about to jump the shark. The idea that we're going deeper into Batman's nightmares, that that could get hokey and silly. And in my opinion, it, it didn't. It actually went deeper. It went for the jugular. Um, it made me emotional. It made me think about Batman in a slightly different way. And I think that this comic book is what the event was supposed to be. This is what Night Terrors should be. Night Terrors, the the main series, is a bore. But this actually has heart because it takes a character you actually care about it, and it puts you in their mind. And it puts you in their nightmare, puts you in the worst aspect of their mind. The stuff that they don't even dare to think about in their waking moments. Joshua Williamson understood the assignment of his own event, but he only understood it (laughs) in a side book. I found this to be visually appealing, but otherwise boring. Wow. Um, I'm I've, 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 I've read books about Batman psyche once every other month, I feel. Like, I feel like this is the only story people can tell about Batman these days. Um, I think he did a fine job doing it here. Um, and I really, really like that that uh, friggin' Chainsaw Man-esque bat gun guy. I thought that thing is awesome. Um, but I preferred the first issue a lot more. I think the first issue had a little more fun. Where this one was just like, all right, let's 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 talk about it, you know. Um, I think Gil Gil March uh, had more fun in the first issue. Uh, I still think this is this is good, but I was just a little like, honestly, like this whole Night Terrors event is not for me at all. It is doing uh, to me what it's doing to the characters, and that's putting me to sleep. Um, so yeah, it's it's not my bag, but it looked nice. The conversation that Bruce has with himself, I just, it was so incredible. And I think that anyone who has personal guilt about their past, things that they blame themselves for, anyone who sees stark differences between themselves as a child and themselves as an adult, who needs to process some stuff, should read this issue. And I wonder if Williamson himself wasn't processing some stuff because there's some really phenomenal 
dialogue I thought in here and you you know he I don't know if this is if this is original or not but in the book Williamson suggests that after Bruce's parents were murdered he sat alone in crime alley for 90 minutes and never knew if anyone would come and he cried and he swore to himself that, that he would you know not allow this to happen to others and in the beginning of the book, he's confronted by the idea that he wanted Batman to exist, that he somehow created all of this. But that's the nightmare. Bruce getting Batman, I should say, getting to sit with Bruce and say, hey, you come out of this the other side. You have friends, friends that will show you things beyond your wildest imagination. And you have family, people that love you, people that care about you, people who need you the way you needed your parents, the way Gordon was there for you that night, all of these things you will be able to do. So you succeed. You succeed. That's it. I thought that was phenomenal. I think the, 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 the question of whether or not he himself uh, almost uh, the, the power of suggestion he, he the secreted uh, the creation of Batman. I thought it was an interesting kind of twist on it. Yeah. I was so impressed by this. I was so impressed. I didn't know that Williamson had this part, that he had this in him. I think it kind of lost a bit of steam when it started getting to like, uh, I need to get dead man out of me, you know? Because um, then that made me remember that Night Terrors is happening. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We're like this. This could have just been a a two issue arc of Batman, really. Um, yeah. Williamson did do a Batman. Um, he did a Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. That's right. He did like the. I don't want to say filler, but it was kind of, a fill yeah. fill in fill in. Yeah, yeah exactly. at the very least. Um, I also really appreciated this. Mm, I'm holding it up if you're watching us lot or if you're watching it's us. on the it's screen. A, yeah. yeah. It's Batman confronted by the Zoran R Batman. And it's not expanded upon in any way, <laughs> but that is the real antagonist in Batman's life right now. Yeah. And I like that Williamson did it. He didn't tread on Chip Zdarsky's uh, 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 territory. He left it alone. But he put that there like, yeah, by the way, this is still a major problem. And if you're not reading Batman right now, that doesn't make sense to you, but you should be. I like how Batman's like, hey, wait, wait what was that? And then <laughs> he doesn't get to know what happened. He's like, whoa, hold on. Yeah. And Dan makes a great there. point. He says, I'm glad to have Batman moving in this direction as opposed to wallowing in his tragedy. And I agree with that in this case. I think that. What we're confronted by now with modern Batman is a person who wants to have peace and wants to have his family around him and wants to move on from just being rooted in tragedy. But now he's got to beat himself. He's got the last enemy preventing him from peace, peace of mind, tranquility and spirit inside is himself. It's the Zurinar Batman. It's the failsafe. I love that. Uh, why didn't Chip write this tie-in? Uh, who, knows? who knows? They're moving offices? No, they're not. 
Um, and 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 the art is phenomenal. That Zerinar page specifically, I pulled out because of the all three panels, really. Yeah, yeah. March is someone that I've really loved for a while, but I feel like he doesn't really get that much. Am I crazy? Maybe I'm crazy. I don't, I I don't like think he's he just. I, don't, I just think he hasn't really worked in the big two in a while. I don't know if it's an issue of getting stuff, but he was doing creator owned stuff for a bit. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I, I I didn't know that. Um, Carmen, yeah, this was a uh, whole graphic novel by him called Carmen. So good. Oh, really? From image, image. Yeah, I think it was uh, originally in French, whatever language he speaks. It was originally that, and then translated through Image Comics. Okay. Um, this would have been a, a, in my opinion, a perfect issue if it didn't have the odd backup about Red Arrow, Arsenal, whatever his name is. So I kind of checked out there. Was so we go from Batman having this real existential crisis, like his real nightmare, and is Arsenal's nightmare? He misses his shots. Like <laughs> I know they got a little deeper, but like it started off with like, oh, yeah, we got okay. Fine. Because he misses people, he misses shots in his nightmare. This, yeah, and that's me on dating weird that, all the time, and I'm fine. It's weird that both concepts were were written and created by the same guy. That like the front yeah, half true. was, yeah. in my opinion, brilliantly done, and then we got that backup that was like, okay, who cares? No offense, it's Arsenal. Sorry, right? Sorry, speedy fans out there, but. <laughs> I'm going to say pull, and honestly, if it wasn't for the Sacrificers and Rick Remender, it would be my pick of the week. I thought this was fantastic. Um, it's going to be a pass for me. I'm just not really feeling this whole Night Terrors thing. Kind of checked out of the whole thing, to be honest. Oh, so then you must have really loved our last book, Night Terrors Joker, number two. Bro, I kind of liked the first issue, too. And then this was... I don't even know what happened. Well, let's talk about who created it. Yeah. Matthew Rosenberg wrote it. Stefano Raphael on art. Romulo Fiardo Jr. on colors. And Tom Napolitano on the letters. Now, what is it that you were confused by? He was Batman, right? Yeah. Okay. At least that's what I got out of it. Yeah, but... I didn't care for this. It didn't even feel like Joker. Like, it didn't feel like the character of the Joker. Um, it looked fine. I think the Rafa, uh, uh, what's the guy's first name? I don't have it. Stefano? Stefano Raffaele art was very good. But um, kind of like a cartoony Frank Abia in a way. But, yeah, I just, it was a news. Man, I can't stop the sleep sleep references. Puns. Must be tired. Um, no, it's just the night terrors thing. It's stuck in my brain. Um, yeah, I'm making better jokes than this book made, and I'm, my, my jokes aren't even good. Uh, yeah, it's even okay. The the cover is actually a great example of what this book is. It's a guy bored in uh, getting uh, in taking content. Really, I I. <sighs> DC has to stop doing these kinds of events. Like, why 
do they have to do this every year, every couple of years, where they have an event that takes place over the course of two months that features tie-ins nobody asked for to a main event that doesn't it's irrelevant. Not only what what the the readers haven't asked for, but like it feels like the writers don't even ask for it. It feels like they pick somebody who has to be the guy that you know controls the whiteboard, um, and it and it upends everyone's stories. Really, yeah. Like I'm thinking about like I like Chip Darcy's Batman. I like Doom Patrol. I like uh uh the Green Arrow, and like all of that is just stopped right now. Yeah, to deal with this. I don't get it. Um, there are some funny moments here, but I thought the first one, if you're if humor is what you're looking for, I thought the first one delivered yep. more of that. Same. This one is like Joker more settling into the fact that like Batman is gone and his life and he's inter I, I thought the the interview with Mr. Freeze was kind of funny where I did now the villains too. are interviewing for jobs because um Batman is back, but he's murderous. So everybody has to lay low until he chills out. That was my issue with the book. Like, pick pick one, you know? Like, if you're going to tell the story of, you know, uh, Joker, his biggest nightmare is a world with no Batman to the point that he needs to become Batman, tell that. Or do you want to tell this goofy office comedy where Joker's nightmare is that he has to live an office job, you know, and all the villains do? Then tell that story. It felt like two tonally very distinct and different stories being told in the same book. And also, where does family come from? Yeah, that was that was um, out of nowhere. I Why guess are they all bald? I mean it's a it's a dream. So whatever. Yeah, I guess. Right. I don't, you, you dream about bald children? No. Don't answer that. Uh, but I, I have nightmares about them. Fair. Hi, you freaky kid. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I was always creeped out by that kid. Um. A lot of times people say, and we've seen media that suggests that if the Batman were to kill the Joker, he would essentially become the Joker. And so the premise is what if if the Joker killed Batman, of course he now becomes Batman because the world ain't right if one of those two doesn't exist. I don't buy into that theory. I think that's a little silly. Um, I don't think that Batman would become Joker if he were to kill Joker, I think he would kill a dude who deserves to die and that's it. Um, and I don't think I don't I don't get why writers feel like Joker needs Batman um, to the degree that he would become him. I think, I don't, sure. I don't know. I struggle, again, I don't like reading stories from the perspective of villains because I don't want to know what their thought process is. I don't care what Joker's worst nightmare is. Joker's overexposed. And one of the things that the Dark Knight film did so expertly was that it deliberately obscures anything personally attributable to him. He's lying all the time. We don't know his origin. We don't know why he's doing this. Everything he says could be bullshit. And I prefer my Joker like that. And I think that this kind of book does a disservice to the character. And it makes it so that I can't really buy in because I don't want to. I don't yeah. want this. I reject this. Personally, I, I tend to like villain story. You know, like, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Ellie Sudeikonik's Norman Osborn book. Post-Siege. Fantastic book. Um, but I think specifically Joker, I don't care much for. Which is why I've been told, your cousin told me, um, that Joker, uh, Tinian book, 
was good because it was a Commissioner Gordon. In disguise. Uh, that's more compelling to me. I agree. Did you read the the Azarello Joker book? I've never read that one. Huh? That book is phenomenal, and it's not from the perspective of the Joker either. Is it from like one and of his goons? Yeah, it's okay. not from the perspective of Batman either. Batman was used phenomenally. Joker was used phenomenally. The, this is a character who works better when he's not the focal point. He's a force of nature. And, it, and the stories are about what happens because he exists. Right. Exactly. Um. Again, like we said, in the end, we learned that Joker was Batman, and then he just wakes up. Yeah. No, nothing is happens because of this. Like, there's no lasting effects at all. There's no consequence. It, it, I'm mad because I paid five dollars for this. <laughs> oh, I uh, paid five dollars. You gotta have no, I, I, I had time, to get yeah. this for the show. I gotta do the show. You know, sure, sure, sure. Um, five dollars for this, and the end of the book is just Joker waking up, and that's it. And he was sleeping with other villains. And that's it. Which, no context for that either. No. Yeah. Why is he hanging out with Ventriloquist? I don't think he would. I don't think they would hang out with him. Yeah, no. That's crazy. Why would you? Sleep over with the Joker? Psh, nope. <sighs> exactly. Oh, man. Um, I, I pass. The art is good, but there's nothing. And, and by the way, all the creatives involved are very talented. I love Matthew Rosenberg. I got to meet him, interview him. He's fantastic. This is a, in my opinion, a concept that should not exist. And therefore, everything that happens within it, try as they might, it just can't rise above the fact that it's just not a good concept. It exists because the Joker has a reputable name that can then justify a four ninety nine book. Let's that's really why this book exists. Yeah. And because yeah. it sells, they can't even afford to have it off the shelves during this two-month Night Terrors event. And we're the suckers that bought it. Well, I blame the listeners on this one. <laughs> Comic Boom says, and why would Joker choose to go back to sleep at the end? I presume because he died in his sleep. I don't know. Sleepy. Like, it was just better dead. It was better being, you know, being dead. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is a hard pull or hard pass. Whoa, right? I was not, like, not a hard pull. Not a hard pull. Give me my night, my my night terror there. Um, yeah, uh, it's a it's a hard pass. Yeah, it's almost like a pass uh, into trash bin. Nothing against the team, but <laughs> I'm I'm against throwing comic books in the trash. So I would not oh, have seen that. <laughs> yeah, I do not do that. Um, but what we do do is we read more comics and engage with more things than just the books we talk about here. So Tyler, what you been reading, man? I caught up with Stephanie Phillips's Grimm with uh, Flaviano and Rico Renzi. Oh, yeah. I didn't read this week's issue. I have the cover for this week's issue. I didn't read it yet. Um, that is a damn good book. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, Creator own book, Boom Studios. Uh, highly recommend. It's it's just it's just very good, very very fun to get too. Um, yeah, Grim is great. Are you reading it too? Yeah, I'm a few issues behind, but everything that I read of it, yeah. whew, 
real good. Oh, real awesome. Um, my first time actually dedicating myself to anything by uh, Stephanie Phillips or Flaviano. And I have to say, impressed by both of them. Dude, Flaviano wrote some of the Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, way back when that was um that was by oh geez he works with bendis a lot i forget his name Oming? no no writer writer that works with bendis a lot uh, worked mm-hmm. on naomi oh, oh yeah 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 uh i can't remember the name but i know who you're talking about yeah yeah he he did that with uh geez i have i'm horrible with names today um but yeah uh, he he did some power man and iron fist that was very good flabiano also does marvel snap cards you've seen his stuff Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. Oh, I'm very familiar now with Flaviano. <laughs> Trust and believe that. Hello to Dirk Manning, who is in the chat. Dirk Manning, uh, what I who I believe is a fantastic creator, says, always donate comics. Always. I agree with that. There are lots of um, places yeah. that would gladly accept your donated comics, libraries. If you've got kids oh, in your you'd life. Be surprised. Um, oh, well, um, maybe some, not. I've had libraries actually like deny it because I was like, hey, I have like four long boxes. They're like, no, it's too much. All right, but you know yeah. there are there are ways to get comics in the hands of people that yes want to read them rather than just throwing them out. So I'm not I'm not uh, not into that. Um, I I didn't I forgot to submit. Okay, for this good. Segment, I, was, but I, I was I, nervous that I yeah. forgot something. Okay, no, you're good. Uh, I actually was catching up with X Men Red. Okay. Um, and so that has been really good because now. As people who read the Before the Fall Apocalypse issue, um, Genesis has descended upon Arako. And she is none too pleased about the state of the world. Um, and she has come to judge them. And there was a great sequence in the most recent issue where she comes to the council. They have their own, it's not a quiet council. It's like its own sort of thing. They have their own rules, but same concept, I guess. It's a council. Um, And she comes to them and she says, hey, all this that you guys are doing, this is not what we're about. You're weak. Only the strong survive. I've come to judge you, and I found you wanting. Yeah. And did it not set up, Tyler, what I think is the next big battle between Storm and Genesis? Hell yeah. Uh, That was a Kale and Me episode, I think. Um, I love that issue. I thought this issue, issue was great. That whole uh, great is it the great ring? Is that what they call it? I believe so. The great yeah. circle, the great ring, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, little brown ring. Um, so that yeah, that whole thing was great. And, and are you are you with me in that? I actually like the Iraqi mutants a lot. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Awesome a lot of sets there too. A lot of the uh, a lot of like X Twitter and things like that feel like they're all throwaways, and I get it because they just did they did just get obliterated by Uranus. But um, I think what Al Ewing has done is he's created a whole host of characters that are actually compelling. And now, because of all that legwork, I don't want them to die. I don't yeah. want Genesis to come and just end things. And I also like seeing. Um mutants with physical mutation yeah uh it's all right how many more guys can you give me that just throw fire and look normal you know what i mean like yeah give me this guy who looks like an axolotl you know like i think that's cool uh, that's why i like yeah. you know glob herman i like shark girl uh beast you know, i haven't read x-force but i heard he's been up to some stuff uh, <laughs> oh, like boy. i like uh, uh mutants that can't hide you know 
These guys can't hide with everyone else. So, yeah. I'm having fun with Absolutely. that X-Men right a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's been real good. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, Dirk. Appreciate that a lot. He says, thanks. TCP remains one of my favorite podcasts. It's one of my favorite podcasts, too. Um, and I got to get caught up on Hope. I just got the uh, the first two issues from my LCS. Um, Dan, listen, I already started reading Invasion, and I think that anybody that knows me can probably predict my thoughts. It's not even, we don't even need a book club for it. I really want you to read Crisis on Infinite Earth because I would love to know your opinion. Dude, I, I'm down. We've if been that would have been picked, <laughs> if that would have been picked for the book club, I'd be perfectly happy. I've been wanting to read it. Okay. No, I mean, is is it not classic? It, it, if you were, at, were complaining about the amount of text boxes on that X Men X Men issue, no, no, no. see, that is a fundamental misunderstanding of my criticism. My criticism was that the dialogue undercut the moment. And I think that that's something that unfortunately happens a lot in modern comics and it shouldn't. I'd say it probably does the same. In Christ. I, I have mixed but, feelings on crisis. But that's a modern comic. Sure. Older comics are created with a different mentality. And I can accept that. Sure. I love the old Spider-Man stuff. I think that stuff's brilliant. Old X-Men comics. I think they're brilliant. Are they overwrought in my 2023 brain? Yeah, but I look past it because it wasn't written now. Like you were written now, Judas, I just uh, uh, the Judas contract, right? That that was stellar. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. So, uh, but we've got more books to talk about. We've got uh, pals pulls coming up. So these are the books that we're looking forward to next week that we may or may not be reviewing. Got to come and find out. Well, knowing Sean, you want to read uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man thirty-one or Legacy nine hundred and twenty-five. We're hitting a thousand soon. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, this is such a good series. It's such a good series. The end of the prior arc with Doc Ock was so good. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I'm happy when I read that comic book. And there just aren't a lot of comics that make me feel like that. It makes me feel like I'm 16 and. I'm first reading Spider-Man books. and Everything is so exciting. Ultimate Spider-Man made me feel like that. And to, to feel like that otherwise, mm-hmm. I got to go back decades. And I'm getting it here. So I, I hear all the critiques, whatever, fine. That's great for you. For me, Amazing Spider-Man is probably the best book on the stands. And with the Gang War event now yeah. announced, I'm way more excited to see the return of Tombstone and where things are going to go next. Yeah, we lost Ed McGinnis. That's unfortunate. But I am excited for the future of Amazing Spider-Man. And you guys have to let us know if you want us to continue reviewing it. I have been really liking Zeb Wells' run. And I think the Kamala Khan thing was not his... That was not his his play. I think he was kind of forced to do that. So I don't think... Personally, I can't judge him for that. I think outside of that... It's been a fantastic run. Yeah. Uh, and then you also wanted to check out uh, Immortal X-Men number 14 with Charles Xavier doing beach stuff uh, in a very Planet of the Apes type uh, cover here by Mark Brooks. Yeah, I mean, the Hellfire Gala event itself, like what actually took place was heartbreaking. 
forget about the way it was put together and the script and, and all that, like the actual event, heartbreaking. So I'm excited to spend an issue with the progenitor of all this, uh, with the man of X, and see what Charles Xavier makes of this, how he gets out of that beach, and what he's going to do next. I mean, for everything, all the critique of Charles that we've seen over the last few years in this uh, in this Krakoan era, I contend Professor Xavier is the greatest X-Man of all time, and I want to see how he's going to rise above this and how he's going to bring things back right the way they should be. I also want to see what Gillen's take on this is. Yeah, exactly. I, I wish Gillen had written the uh, Hellfire Gala. Would have been, but it would have been a lot more dancing, probably, I will say. Could have used it. Uh, I want to check out Children of the Vault, number one, which also yeah. was set up in <laughs> X-Men, which you know, they only get like half a page. But yeah, um, this is going to be a uh, Cable and uh, uh, Bishop buddy cop book, apparently. Um, I have no idea what to expect of this. It's by Dennis Camp. Um, and uh, I just think it looks neat. <laughs> That's pretty much the extent of it. Um, and I think the Children of the Vault were a very interesting part of Hickman's run that we've never really got to get a real conclusion on. Mm. Uh, and then... Um, yep, yeah. Good. I was just going to say that Dennis Camp is really good. And seeing that name... More than even the Children of the Vault concept, which I do love, is why I want to come to this book. Did he work on uh, Valiant books? Was it? He was had it yeah. Bloodshot? He had done uh, the Bloodshot that yeah, we read yeah, for yeah. the for okay. this. Yeah, that was really good. So, uh, and then maybe a hot take for you, Sean. Uh, I want to check out Avengers number four next week. Feel free. Um, I don't like this Iron Man costume. I don't know where the hell this Iron Man costume came from. Um, not a fan. Uh, but I like when there's like new Avengers villains introduced uh, and then introduced and then introduced again and then introduced again. Um, <laughs> I, I, this is like turn my brain off comic is what I feel this is. Uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Bring back the Black Order. Those guys were fun. Hell yeah. Did you ever Absolutely. read their, their I, miniseries? No. Very good. Oh, you don't read villain books. Yeah. I don't. I, I only read them if they're very, very, very. Very, very good. Like, they have to be top of the line. Like, Magneto yeah. Testament, tippy top of the line. Ellie Sue and uh, Emma Rios on Norman Osborn. And he's not the POV character, from what I remember. Who is? Um, it's when he's in, in uh, the raft or some underground thing, and it's, like, from the perspective of his uh, people in the cells around him. Is a mini? Yeah. Right after, uh, right after Siege. Ooh, yeah. okay. Right around your time, the time of stuff you like. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. So that's that's uh, those are the books we're looking forward to. That's Pals Pulls. Uh, I can definitely tell you that we will be reading at least two of those books. We're definitely going to tackle Immortal. We're definitely going to tackle uh, Avengers. Um, so oh, we're doing I, I, okay. Of course, of course. This show's not about me. I don't like Avengers, but you do. And, and and other people feel differently than I do. Here, so we'll yeah. keep reviewing the book. I'll just have to temper myself. No, don't. That was a very uh, fun one to listen to as somebody who wasn't right. on the show. So, yeah. Well, so, well then, then you'll offset me. How about that? Sure, sure. Gladly. Yeah, exactly. 
Tune in this Saturday live on YouTube at 10.15 a.m. Eastern because we're going to be talking about the MCU. There may not be movies in production right now, but that gives us an opportunity to sit back and start to talk about what needs to change. And that's what we're going to do on the main show this Saturday. So if you want to hear us talk about that, tune in to youtube.com slash the comics pals at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. And uh, on Saturday, we're going to have a great time. I hope to see you there. Um, we're going to do a draft as we always do. We've got a lot of a lot of stuff cooking, so um should be fun. What's have you decided time? on what the draft topic is, Sean? No. You don't have to tell it. Tell me. Okay. Uh, this show is live every single Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, and uh, we're going to have a good a good crop of books. If you want to influence what we review, you can always go to Twitter slash X. Dot <laughs> com slash the comics pals. And you can vote in the listener pick poll that is up every single Friday. It runs until Wednesday and you get to choose the fifth book. Of the week. This week, you guys chose Night Terror's Joker. Big fail. You guys have got to come <laughs> correct next time. You that was not up. the play. <laughs> that was not. I have I have praised you guys so much for your ability to pick the listener pick, and this just wasn't it. This is the I'm so, not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. I, I am. A little <laughs> bit I am. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Especially, I mean, look. Frankly, the the other picks weren't tremendous, but I wanted to read What If Dark Venom, so that's what I picked. What what if what? What if Dark Venom? It's what if Ben Grimm's The Thing got the Venom symbiote? Probably a little little rockier. End of story. Whoa, deja vu. Weird. Really? Yeah. Uh, End of the story. End of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. We love you. We will see you on Saturday. Until then, take care, guys. Oh, see you next week. Sorry, he's not here.